In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today's lessons teach us that our, our faith is rooted in our encounter with God, with Christ, in our relationship with Him, and that the mark of that genuine encounter is the humility that it produces in us. The epistle utters phrases that sound a little bit like our creeds. St. Paul begins by saying, I received of the Lord what I delivered to you. And this is the formal language of tradition uh, comes from Judaism. When you had a, an authoritative tradition, what you received from the source, and you hand it on, you say, I received this and I delivered it to you. It means this is an authoritative tradition. So St. Paul says, I received what I delivered to you. And he utters things that Christ died for our sins, that he was buried, that he rose. These all sound like the things we say in the creeds each week. But St. Paul's main point is that the early Christians, the apostles and others, were eyewitnesses of these things. That Jesus appeared to Peter, then he appeared to all the apostles, then he appeared to 500 brethren at once. This is the only mention of that particular appearance in all the scriptures, so it's a little bit cryptic. But, uh, and then he appeared to James... And then he said, he appears last of all to me, quote, as one born out of due time, because I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. The appearance of Christ to St. Paul, which is chronicled in the Acts of the Apostles, and that St. Paul retells that encounter three times in the book of the Acts of the Apostles in his early ministry, that encounter with Christ humbled St. Paul. It, it changed him. And it, it produced in him two things that all genuine encounters with God produce. The first is acceptance. That is, Jesus appeared to St. Paul on the Damascus Road. He sought him out. If you look at the encounter, it says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He came to call Paul into a relationship with him, which presumed that he wanted that relationship. And the second thing it produced was conviction of sin. Once Saul, who later became Paul, saw himself in the light of Christ, he, he saw, oh, I've gotten this completely wrong. All the things I thought I was doing right, now I realize they're wrong. So it led to conviction of sin, which is the framework for, for change in the Christian life. It always begins with acceptance. And the conviction, therefore, is not for our condemnation, but so that we might become aware and change and grow. The gospel today illustrates this principle by telling us a story about prayer. It tells us two men were up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee uttered a prayer that was utterly devoid of any sense of encounter with God. The text of the gospel actually says he prayed thus within himself. So he, he went up to the temple to talk to God about himself. He, but he didn't really talk to God. He talked about it, to himself about himself. And the tax collector, by contrast, went up and he talked to God. He wouldn't lift up his eyes because he knew he was coming into God's presence. He was aware he was bringing himself into the presence of God. And he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. 
We can see in the tax collector's encounter with God in the temple the same things we can see in St. Paul's encounter with God. That is, first, acceptance. That, that is, even though he was humbled and had a sense of holy fear as he came in, he came to the temple because he believed that God would receive him. And in that, in the light of God's presence, the tax collector realized, I'm a sinner. God be merciful to me, the sinner. And that he's accepted, the first part is true, Jesus himself says, that man went home justified, which means accepted by God. These two prayers give us an example of, of the way we have different standards of comparison in our lives and, and the way that authentic Christianity results from our comparison to God rather than our comparison to other people. The Pharisee in his prayer compared himself to other people. And the result of his prayer was pride. I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like other people. I do all these good things. And the result was he felt superior. Pride is always the result of a comparison with other people. <clears throat> and sometimes we compare ourselves to others and feel superior Sometimes we compare ourselves to other people and feel inferior. Feelings of inferiority are feelings of wounded pride. It's the same sin. We're, we're, we're wounded because we're not as good as we would like to have been. We'd like to be better, but we don't feel we are. So pride exists on all levels of that spectrum. The tax collector compared himself to God and the result of that comparison was humility. <clears throat> and humility has some, some important characteristics to it. It's a misunderstood virtue. Often people think that to be humble means to lack self-confidence uh, or to be afraid of things. But humility has a few characteristics that are important to understand. One, at root, it's first a sense of our smallness. When we come into God's presence, we realize we're small. We're in the presence of God, who is everywhere present, we are one person among billions now alive and have ever lived. We occupy a, a very small geographic space in a vastly and continuously expanding universe, so we're very small. We're not the center of the universe. It does not revolve around us. We're a part of the whole, but we're not the center of it. But the second thing that humility understands <clears throat> genuine humility understands is that even though we are small, we are valuable. And, and, that, and that God cares about us as a part of that whole. This is what we learn in the Eucharist, that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ is given for thee, and that archaic language highlights the point. It's not for just y'all, it's, it's for each one of us that Christ comes. He values his relationship with each and every one of the billions of people with, with whom he has a relationship. And you are, you are one of those. So the proper sense of humility is, I'm small, but I'm valuable. I'm not the center of the universe, but I'm a part of it. And this frees us to, um, this frees us to change and to become what God intends us to be. Because as long as we're comparing ourselves with other people, our worth is always caught up into whether we're better or worse than somebody. So we try to be better so we can feel better about ourselves, and if it doesn't succeed, we feel worse about ourselves. Either way, we're caught up in pride, in comparative evaluation. Once we enter into that 
relationship with God where we see ourselves in light of God's presence. We stop looking at other people. We see ourselves as we really are. There's a conviction of sin, but it's a framework for change. We, humility means we're accepted by God. He, he, he's, he's embracing us. And we can't really be changed by the love of God until we accept that basic fact. He accepts us. A lot of people's religion is, is about trying really hard to be good in order that God might accept you. And so your religion becomes trying more and more to be good, and since you can never quite reach that standard, you always fall short, always feel condemned. You might feel good for a minute, but then you go out and try harder and you fail again. Genuine faith, genuine Christian faith rooted in grace starts with acceptance. God embraces you as you are. He doesn't kid us about who we are. So in the light of his presence, you see who you are. Now you're free to grow, to, to, to grow into the unique person God wants you to be, not what he wants John or Susie to be, not how you compare, but who are you? What are your gifts? How are they going to develop? And so humility frees us from the, the curse of comparison to live in God's presence, to accept ourselves, and to grow. Yeah, we've got some things we've got to work on. We, that's what we're doing here. We come to grow ourselves, and that's the freedom we have in Christ to do that. St. Paul, in his life, illustrates both of these characters in the parable because he was a Pharisee before he saw Christ on the road to Damascus who would have prayed a little bit like that guy in the parable. After he saw Christ, he prayed like the tax collector. He, he developed a humility. We have both of those parts in us, too. We... We compare ourselves to others. And a lot of times how we feel in a given day depends upon whether we feel superior or inferior. Our life of prayers, why we constantly emphasize that our prayer is the foundation for our faith, our life of prayer saves us from that. It, draw, it brings us out of the comparison of the world into relationship with God. We see ourselves as we really are. We, we once again experience acceptance by God. He, yes, makes us aware of what we need to do in our lives, but the acceptance and the conviction free us then to change. I'm going to do things differently now. I'm going to change and grow. And this is what we, this is the foundation for our faith. The encounter with Christ that convicts it, first of all, makes us aware of our acceptance by God, makes us aware of our sin, frees us to change within his grace. So the gospel gives us kind of Challenge as we come to the altar of God. What do we? What do we come up to the temple to do? To to talk to ourselves about ourselves, or to come into the presence of God and and experience that encounter, experience His acceptance, His conviction, and the grace we need to change. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Laying it up for yourselves, treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also.